And uh, Nick, could I please have uh, the 2 Timothy passage? So, hello children. Um, I've got your drawings here from last week, and I think they're going to go in a folder, your own personal folder, as you carry on making amazing pictures. And Will, wasn't that reading amazing? And you chose one of the best but hardest versions to read as well. You read from the King James Version, and that was amazing. So well done. Children, there's going to be points as well for the best pictures about what I'm talking about. So, um, how does church change our lives? If we are the bride of the priest, how actually does it change us? Um, here's a fun test. Ask your best friend after this, whoever that is, have I changed in the last five years for good? Go on, I dare you to ask them that. No, do it. Because church is supposed to change us, so are we changing for good? So children, drawings, can, you can pick any of these. But can I have large people, small people, thin, fat, all colors, happy or sad, together following Jesus? Could you do one of that for me? Or gathering round Jesus to listen to him? Or children listening to Jesus? Or children in the playground listening to Jesus? What does that look like? Or young and old people reading the Bible together. So, lots of people listening to Jesus. Children in the playground obeying Jesus. Older people helping younger people to learn from Jesus. All right. And we'll see at the end. Okay, Park End. The only place in Rita Penna Crossroads to become more like Jesus is Park End Church. There are nice places on Rita Penna Crossroads, but really it's the bride of Jesus that gets to listen to him and do what he says. No other organization outside of church gets to become more like Jesus. So adults, this includes becoming more like him, holy and blameless, when the coronavirus worries us. By the way, just on that, we are going to give an official policy soon but obviously wash your hands after this, and if someone doesn't shake your hand, don't take it personally. Um, they're just being hygienic, but maybe we'll say a few words about that this afternoon. But if, you, if we get it, we get to be more like Jesus when we get ill. Only we get to do that. What does that look like? You get to be like Jesus when you get sacked from work, or when you don't have much money, or when you get hungry, or if you've got an addiction, or when your friendships break up, or if you've got anger problems, you get to change in that stuff to be more like Jesus. Children, when your, children, when your teachers tell you things in school, you get to be like Jesus and listen and do your homework on time and all that stuff which God wants us to do. At home, children, you get to do the washing up properly because church changes us and we're supposed to obey our parents and all that. Adults, when we fill out tax forms, we're supposed to do it like Jesus would. That's how church gets to change. It's a good thing. Or for those who are anxious, we get to learn to trust the living God like Jesus trusted his Father. Here's a funky little saying. 
Church is not a place to go, but a community in which to grow. You like that one? It's not a place to just turn up and leave. It's a community in which to grow. So how, though, do we get changed to do that stuff? How do the children become more like Jesus? How do we learn to love him more? The answer today is the word of the Lord changes us. And in church, we study it. Um, on Friday, we had soup. I had broccoli and cheese soup, and I want the recipe because it was amazing. And Rita, pay attention, please. <laughs> broccoli. Now, now, I cook at home. I cook. I'm a modern man. Um, anyway, that off track that was. But when we were eating the soup, we were chatting about what a pastor should be like. And what we don't want is me to be aloof and distant and like above all the temptations of life. You know, I don't need to be more like Jesus in my marriage because I've arrived. Or If you're struggling with stuff, you don't need a pastor that gives the impression that he doesn't struggle with stuff. But you also don't want me to turn up and go, here's what I think you should do. Do what I think because my opinion is the best. What we all need is to gather together and learn what he wants us to do. The word of the Lord, our divine priest. So how... Do we do that? How do we get changed? How do I as a minister say, ah, I think I know what the word of the Lord says about this. This might be able to help you. Okay, so here's some testers. Children, I want you to shout out some answers to this. When you think of church, what comes into your mind? Because I want us to change the way we think. It doesn't matter if you're wrong, but just fire something else. What comes in your mind? And adults, you as well. Don't shout. Let the children do it. But what comes to mind when you think of church? Go. Bible. The Bible. Good one. The cross. Good one. Hey, stump them. Music. Good music. The best in Cardiff music, by the way. As you get older, though, people start to think of this when they think of church. Rotors, announcements, legal documents, CRB stuff, sound desk, uh, is it working, the electrics, fire drills. But those things are important, but they're not the heart of church. Because buildings are a fairly modern thing. And really... Basically, church existed way before we were gathering around sorting fire stuff out. And that's important. But adults and children in the Bible, church met in people's houses, their tents, in fields, on hills, um, around dinner tables, and then in the tabernacle building as well. Right. Adam and Eve, they were just walking around in the garden. That was church. That was church life with all their problems. Abraham, with all of his family problems, that's church. It's not rotors and buildings. That was church. Life being changed in life. Then the church walked around the Egyptian desert, and they were hungry and grumbling. That was the church. And then Rahab, who was a prostitute, joined the church and had to sort of make adjustments in her life. That is church. So with that in mind, adults, as we're thinking about how can we change, what I want you to be doing now is thinking about this. Well, if church is more than just turning up, ready for a question? And children, you need to think this as well. Who might need help this week? Because that's church. 
Who do I need to make a phone call or send an email to or send a text? Who's in need? Who needs encouragement? Children in your classroom who might be upset this week and worried. Who in my family isn't coping with work? Who's ill? Who can I pray for this week? That's the heart of church. But before we send the text or meet them, what are we going to say which will change them? Because we don't want to turn up like headless chickens, not knowing what to say which is helpful. How do we listen to the Word of God which changes people? All right, that's what we're going to do for the rest of this talk. That's why the children are drawing pictures about listening to Jesus in the playground. How? Okay, a few ways. Readings, prayers, songs. Listen to this. This is a massive one. This is Jesus talking. Therefore, go out, make disciples of all nations, baptize them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Spirit, teaching them to... Do you know what's next? Obey. Everything that I have, do you know what's next? Commanded. And I will be with you, even for the end of the age. So a massive part of church life is not listening to Owen, unless Owen is saying, listen to Jesus. And when you send the text this week, ask Jesus, how best does he want me to be around my friend? That's church. Listen to this one. This is Exodus chapter 40, and the Son of God told Moses how he wants church to be. Listen to this. Then the Lord said to Moses, set up church, the big tent, the first day of the month. Put the ark of the covenant, the law in it, and shield it behind a curtain. Bring in a table, put a lampstand on it, the altar of incense, and the ark of the covenant, then, listen to this, the cloud of God just covered the church. And the glory filled the church. So the cloud of the Lord was over the church by day, and the fire was around it by night. So basically, Jesus joined his church when they were doing what he said. The Son of God said, right, I want this there, I want that like that, I want this person doing that, and then I will join you. Because all that matters in churches, not Owen's opinion, but or the elders' opinion, but the living God's opinion. And they sort of obeyed it at times, but they didn't do a very good job. Now, here's a tester. Let's see if you know anything about your pastor or minister. I have two sons. The oldest is called Jensen. What's the youngest called? There you go. They, they do listen, Rita. Thanks. All right. In the ancient church, there was a tribe called the Levites. And they had a job. And one of the jobs was this. In the case of skin diseases, be very careful to do exactly what the Levite priests tell you to do. Because I've told them what to tell you. So basically, in church life, the Levite's job was to round up people who were ill and had all sorts of problems. And they'll go, oh, the Lord has told us what to tell you and how to handle this. I'll be with you. So the Levite's job was just to tell people what the Lord's word was. Isn't that amazing? All right. Now I've got a quiz for you all. You have here the New Testament church. You had the reading eloquently read by Will. So the best thing we could do for our loved ones at church is obey the word. So here's a quiz. In verse 15, what makes P? 
people wise to salvation. How do you get saved in verse 15? Well, I'll read it. Oh, uh, yeah, up there. And how from infancy, Timothy, you've known the scriptures which are able to make you wise for salvation through faith in Jesus. What was the linchpin in Timothy's growing up? What was involved in his life? The scriptures. What's it useful for? Verse 16. It's God-breathed and useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting, and training righteousness. Parents, grandparents, you might need to rebuke your little ones this week. What they don't need is what your opinion is on how they should be, because that's just defined by your age and the culture you grew up in, which varies from country to country. Do you what, what will help them is telling them how Jesus wants them to be. It literally says that there for rebuking and correcting. Don't tailor our children to obey our personal preferences. In church, we get to learn what the living God wants. And here's one for me. This is really interesting. Let's get the violins out. Uh, 4 verse 4. They will turn their ears away from the truth. So some people are just going to reject the word of God and turn aside to myths. But you, keep your head in all situations, endure hardship. Hey, isn't that interesting? I've been told, as the one who brings the word here mainly, it's going to be tough. Why is that? Why is it hard to teach the word of God? Well, I made a list. Because people lose interest, and it'll happen to you. If you try and bring the word of God into your life more, people are going to lose interest. People are going to drop away people you pour time into. It's tough. But he says, no, keep going. Keep going. Just keep doing it. Keep learning the Word of God and sharing it and trusting it even when it's tough. So the children in the playground, when their friends are doing naughty things which a living God doesn't want them to do, like stealing or bullying or fighting, our church kids need to just go, well, I'm not doing that. Even though it's going to be tough, I'm going to endure in this little playground. I'm going to stand for what's right. I'm going to love my neighbor and my enemies. So what I want to close by doing is helping us all like, come into contact more with the word of God. I want the young ones to do it. I want the old ones to do it. Now here's a question. Dietary laws change a lot. And when I was growing up, I was told to have three square meals a day. But I've read at the moment, it's more like several little ones. Have you come across that? If you want to lose weight particularly, basically eat like a squirrel through the day rather than a horse three times a day. That's, that's the recent thing. It's interesting. I'm not commenting on that, but it's interesting. But listen to this. And we touched on this last week in the night. Psalm 119. Seven times a day I praise the Lord for his righteous laws. So the Old Testament Jew, seven times a day, would just take a little time aside and praise God. And it's really helpful. So Psalm 55 says, evening and morning, at noon, I'm going to pray and cry aloud. And basically, Daniel did that as well. So here's a quiz. I know you're bright enough. If evening, morning, and noon was prayer time for the ancient church... But they're like praising them seven times a day in little chunks. And if evening, morning, and noon in the Bible is 9 a.m., 12 p.m., and 3 p.m. Oh, no, wait, messed that up. The third hour, the sixth hour, the ninth hour. Children, you can switch off for this bit because I'm as lost as you are. 9 a.m., 12 p.m., 3 p.m., right? I'm back on track. That's praying 
When was the time for coming into contact with the Word? All right. What you find in the Bible is it's roughly 6 a.m., 6 p.m., 9 p.m., and midnight. I asked the adults last week, why wasn't Jesus addicted to pornography? It's an interesting question because he was a man and he had hormones like the rest of us, but he wasn't a sleazebag. How? It's really interesting that in the Bible, it nowhere says, oh, well, he was God. It was just easy for him. It doesn't say that. What it says about Jesus is he was just into this and did what it says, like obeying it. And we can do that too. So for Jesus, if those seven periods of Bible study was just 10 minutes a day, right? Maths time, I'm sure you've worked it out, but that's about one to two hours of reading the Bible every single day in little bits. And he wasn't a sleazebag, and he wasn't overly anxious, and he wasn't a criminal, and you could trust him with your children, with your family members. How? He just loved the Bible. Now listen to this. When are we most vulnerable? For some of us, it's six o'clock in the morning when we're anxious and absolutely shattered and we have to face another day in work. Or we're waking up with aches and pains. In the Bible, you find is that's when someone shoved a bit of the Bible in their head just to get them ready for the day. I'm going to think about my father now. Because don't you find this? What you start the day with massively affects your whole day, your approach to the day. Leave Facebook aside for just a couple of minutes. Start your day by transforming your mind with the Word of God. That's what it says here. All right, next time then is 9 a.m. What are you doing at 9 a.m.? Some of you have been up for hours. Some of you are jogging around Roth Park Lake. Some of you, though, are starting work where your colleagues need you to be like Jesus, where our, where our little ones here are starting school and they got their children around them and their children all need them to be like Jesus because Jesus is the best. And that's where, you know, it's time to maybe just recall a little Bible verse or something or your daily reading. Take a little five, five, don't take five minutes. That's quite a lot in the workplace. One minute break to just recall. All right, how am I supposed to be? Isn't it fascinating, this seven times a day thing? 12 o'clock, you open your sandwiches and you're reminded of the one who said, I'm the bread of life. Think of me. And if you... If you haven't packed your sandwiches that day and you're starving to death, you can go, oh, even if I starve to death, he's the bread of life. He's got me safe. Wouldn't that be an amazing lunchtime in the staff room or whatever? He's the food we really need. 2 p.m. or 3 p.m., afternoon coffee. Children, you're in the playground about 2 o'clock. The school bully comes up to you. Or the teacher says, don't forget to do your homework when you get home. What do you need to do? You need to take time and think, oh yeah, what, would Jesus, what did I learn today quickly in my little Bible book? Yeah, no, I am going to follow him. Isn't that lovely? And here's one for me. 6 p.m. just before tea, you pull up at the house, you're wrecked, your children are in the house, your wife's in the house, husbands are supposed to get involved with their families, and you're like, I just can't today. You've got a choice. You either barge the door open and demand everybody serves you and you just spoil them for the evening or you like take time in my car, right? I'm going to pray now and cry out to the Lord for strength. I'm going to think about that verse I got going on and you go in 
and you roll your sleeves up and show what Christian husbands are supposed to be like. Now we're all looking at the floor guilty, aren't we, men? Nine o'clock, bedtime for most of us here. Or just starting elders meeting. 9 p.m., sleep time. Jesus has built in us, children, that we die every single night and rise again in the morning. So we just practice it before he actually comes and takes us away to be in heaven. He's like, just trust me with your sleep. Practice dying and then one day we'll do it proper. But we've done it so much, you're safe in my arms. Children, maybe a little prayer and a Bible verse before you go to sleep. It'll change the way you sleep. And if you wake up in the night anxious and scared of the dark, which I do as well as an adult, worried about life, give it to Jesus. And that's it for today. Church is supposed to change us. And it does. But how? The main thing is the Word of God just trickles through us to all areas of life. And we've seen it this morning in Exodus and to Timothy. That's what will make church the best thing in this whole wide world. We listen to Jesus and obey him for his name's sake. Amen.